Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on Solitaire War Games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 249-ish, I think. <laughs> it's not 248 anymore, is it? No, 249. Yeah, 249. That 249 will sneak right up on you and murder you in your sleep. <laughs> Would have been better if it were 250, though. That feels a lot scarier. Yeah, 250 is scary. What I mean, two forty nine may be the square of something somewhere. That's that's terrifying. I would be very surprised if an odd number, especially a nine, is a square of anything else. But that may just be the difference between our math skills. You mean like forty nine or nine? Y- yes, but then you have the <laughs> two four nine. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, we're not going to sit here and do the math all the way. We're going to talk about a game instead. How about that? <laughs> Let's do it, Albert. All right. Today's game, as we've already said, is Final Girl, which is a Van Ryder game where you play a final girl in a horror slasher movie. And I'd never heard the trope before, but everybody knows what it is, right? The last character in that movie is always some girl that is running for her life from a killer, and all her friends are dead, and it's up to her to defeat the killer and end the movie happily. You know, as happy as can be anyway. I mean, to be clear, it's not every time, it's just... When it happens, that it's, is the trope. It's often enough that it's a trope. It's pretty darn common, especially in those you know eighties and nineties slasher films. Man. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> so yeah, so that's today's game. It's it's a slasher film theme game. It's also based off the uh, hostage negotiator system. That's right, which is a system I have a lot more familiarity with than the Final Girl system. Mm, okay, well, if you know how to play hostage negotiator, it's real easy to jump into Final Girl because it is. Exactly that same system of playing the cards and managing that threat track and whatnot and, and using the the points that you have to buy a card for the next round. Oh, it, it is super familiar. It is basically built on top of that. They just added more layers. <clears throat> so that was our summary. Let's talk about the – let's go out of order and do components because I think the components are kind of important here first mm, to have a good sense okay. of this. Um, the reason why is this pe- game is packaged very differently than most other games. You actually have to buy two things to be able to play Final Girl. You have to buy the core box, which is a it's a small box. It's I don't know, it's about the size of I think like the hostage negotiator box. And that has all the cards, the counters and stuff. A lot of things you need to play, but not everything. What is missing is the killer and the final girl and the location you be playing at. You buy a second box. There's currently five different uh, of the scenarios you could buy, the feature films. There's they kickstarted five more, and that is currently in the late pledge phase of the of the thing, and there'll eventually be a ten ten total at least that you could pick. So you go to the store, you buy the core box, and then you pick your favorite sounding feature film, and you buy that one, and then you take it home, and now you have enough to play. So that's really interesting how they did that. the The other thing that's really interesting about that is well, wait, that, I want to focus mm-hmm. more on this idea of boxes. So you have a bunch of different boxes. You have at least two boxes. If you're a fanatic, like I am, about Hostage Negotiator Final Girl franchises, <laughs> you have more than two, yes. And maybe playmats and miniatures and whatnot. <laughs> so it just takes up a whole bunch of room on your shelf and is really annoying to keep track of all of it? It is. It's pretty small, so honestly, it doesn't take all that much room. You know that? it's a. But it doesn't fit all in one nice, simple box that just takes up a space on my shelf. No, but if you back the second season Kickstarter and you go all in and you spend a few hundred dollars, you're going to get boxes to put everything in, which I'm not personally a fan of. I am fine putting these on the shelf like books next to each other. It works. It works great that way, honestly. 
So I've and, heard a lot of people who have critiqued this idea of having essentially modularity, mm-hmm. creating modularizing. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Modularizing the different expansions for a game. And we very often see games wanting to be all in one box. Most of my shelf is full of games that are all in one box that when you get an expansion, it has to fit in the original box. Quite often I will pass on an expansion if it doesn't fit in the separate box. But I think this is a very different beast. In all honesty, I want to see more of this idea mm-hmm. where you create a whole bunch of different modules and scenarios package them up so you don't need to have all of them. They aren't all adding to each other. It's all sorts of different things. All of them are packaged nicely. All of them are packaged relatively compactly individually. Mm -hmm. I grant you it could be smaller if you combine them in some way, but they're not that big. They're all... They're all modules. I keep saying the same word, but they've mm-hmm. all got their own separate little thing that all stores relatively nicely. I almost feel like this would be the sort of thing that instead of putting it on my game shelf would probably fit better on a bookshelf with all my books mm-hmm. just yep. because of the method that they packed it. I personally really like this system of creating expansions, creating cont- continuity in the game system to keep it being that you have all sorts of new things, all of them being separate, all of them being just a single thing and or two things that you can pull off the shelf. I want to see more stuff coming out like this. So mm-hmm. there are definitely people who are critiquing about the fact that it just doesn't all fit. I think it, like <laughs> what you're saying, I like that idea. I like yeah. having all of this modularity as long as it all remains modular. If you're having to go stick this one and this one or like three things together or the box always keeps adding to something else, I want them to all fit into the same box. But if I really just need those two things and pull them off the shelf and I'm good, I go. I love it. Yep. That's all. That's all you need. Two boxes and you're good to go. Um, however, you can mix and match if you want to. Right. And that, that's the next thing that's interesting. That's the next thing that's really interesting about this game, the way it works. <clears throat> Excuse me. The feature film boxes, each box has a killer and a location, and it also brings a couple final girl cards. Um, <clears throat> let me get, let me kind of give you a rundown of the components. Then it has the killer, some cards for the killer. It has location cards for the killer. There's going to be the the threat deck type cards that you see in Hostage Negotiator for that killer and location, and you're going to mix them up together. There's item cards that, that you can find in location. There's um. Different event cards that can come up during the game as you play. There's setup cards. There's a bunch of different stuff. Each scenario is a little different and plays different and feels differently. So there may be extra tokens that come with one or something like that, potentially. Maybe some extra cards. It just depends on the scenario. But then I mentioned you have a board. The board is actually half the box, half the lid. Because (laughs) it's really, you know, these boxes you buy that have these magnetic closures that you snap open and the lid flips open. Mm-hmm. It's like that, but the lid flips open and off completely, and that is your board. You put it on the table now. You then take out the components that are in the box area, and that's and that fills half the box, and that's your location components. You now flip over your empty box, and the back lid you peel off, and that is the board for the killer and has information for the killer. So you actually so have only magnets on on one side. No, both sides separately. Here, I'm going to show Julius what I'm talking about. Here's the box. You don't you need to show me. You see? need to explain for our listeners. Here's the killer board. I still have the back lid. And I take the back lid. 
And now I have two two half boards, two mm-hmm. half lids. Oops, and I'm gonna make a mess. But that... it's securely attached on both sides. Yep. Even though only there's a long face and a short face of it, it's securely attached on both sides. So you don't have any issues about it opening up or anything like that. No, not at all. Perfect. No, not at all. Um, and and it's there's a plastic tray insert with a lid on it. So even if it opens up, your components are not going to get messy. It'd be very unlikely, I think. Well, unless you're storing a vertical like on a bookshelf, like I was yeah. describing. Or... I've never had trouble with it. I store it vertically on the bookshelf. Now, if well, you open it up it doesn't fall off. to show somebody and pull both lids off and you're just holding the open box like I just did, then yes, you're going to get cards all over your table. <laughs> <laughs> I can speak to that. So, so now that you have cards all over your table. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. <laughs> so the game is modular. Here, This is interesting. You said how you it's nice. You could just take the two boxes of the table and that's all you need. But if you want to, if you, if you have a second feature film or more, you could pick two to play. You could say, I'm gonna, I want to play... The killer from this box, but I really want to try it at that location. So you get the two boxes out, you get the stuff for the killer from the one box, the stuff from the location from the other box, and you mix those together to play. So you, you get to mix and match. And the more stuff you have, the more ways you get to mix and match, right? I have five five uh, feature films, which means I have five locations and five killers. That's a total of 25 different ways to play. Uh, now then, all of these are heavily mm-hmm. thematic that they're drawing from various different movies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like there's the haunting of Creechman inspired. They're pretty drawn <laughs> from, but like, for example, there's Creech Manor, which has this haunted house with the ghost roaming around. It. Yes. If you're mixing and matching, like you just discussed, for example, you're putting the ghost in the carnival of blood. Does that not create some clash between the different themes? Like it suddenly seems weird it, and I mean, it kind of sure it kind of can and that's okay I, it's a i mean the theme the theme is there but I, I haven't had any concerns where i've mixed two themes and felt weird now with season two coming out there's a space station one think aliens the movie but it's not aliens the movie of course um so you can have a spaceship and and the carnival of horrors killer together or the ghost from the haunted manor in a spaceship or in antarctica think the thing yeah, so you can, especially with the second series coming out, get some some more of the weirdness. But I haven't really found it that strange. Um, I really disagree. Yeah, I mean, I don't it, know. I think it's very weird. What there, there's such a tie between these that they are movies, which I will say they're not movies I'm a particular fan of. But these, like, I look at these and I see, yeah, there's a haunted house with a ghost in it, or I see, yes, there's an aliens theme, or like there's the mm-hmm. masked killer running around. But if we're a masked killer. Running around like the guy with the pig mask running around a space station. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah, that is kind of strange. I, I, like I said, yeah, mixing the yeah, it can get weird. I haven't played the season two stuff, so I can't comment on it. And I'm sure the theme might be a little. I'm bit even weird. only talking about the season one stuff. Right. It's still it's still going to be a fun game, I think, if you can accept the weird theme. Um, but you no, know, I, no, okay. It, it, you're you're right though. I can't argue with you. You could definitely get some themes that seem odder than others. There's I don't also think any mixing and matching feels odd to me, but that's okay. just my opinion. I suppose. Okay, I, I love the idea of mixing and matching. I think that just makes games better. Always, I really do. Um, games like Dominion, where where you play and you pull out ten different decks each time you play, so each game is going to be different. Dominion's very different because all of those work. They're, they're the same idea. They're <laughs> all towns. They're all buildings. They all yeah, work together. They can't be easily built. You cannot have like the idea of having a ghost in space. <laughs> I grant you, it's possible you can have a movie built up on it. 
I'm sure there have been some. Or a carnival master walking around a jungle. <laughs> like you're like, what? Yeah. I'm All a... of them. I don't. I I don't think they work well. <laughs> well, and so if that's the case, you may just want to get one box or two boxes and never never deviate from there, and that's fine too. Well, no, because yeah, I want to get all the things. Well, if yeah, I wanted them, I would get all the things. Like, yeah, yeah. And you can play them all. And you can play them all. I mean, you don't have to mix them, but you can. So, okay, so we talked about the, the modularity of the components. We didn't really get into much of the other components, right? There's cards, there's counters, there's dice. This is a dice game with lots of luck in it, which you can mitigate, but it's in there. And there's a variety of different tokens you're going to have. The, the most important things in this game, other than the two boxes for the location and the killer is the the deck of cards you have to play with. And I forget what they're called here. In Hostage Negotiator, they're conversation cards. These are the cards that you have available to play from your hand each turn. There's, that set is pretty fixed. Some scenarios may bring one or two more, but generally speaking, it's always going to be the same sort of thing. You're going to play these cards to do different things. And based on the cards you play, they're going to roll dice. So this game brings a number of dice. I think uh, five five dice. It brings a bunch of meeples, so a meeple to represent you, two meeples it's to represent the killer, six eyes. Okay. Um, there's meeple for the your the other victims, your friends that will all die, and tokens I mentioned. There's cards uh, for the final girl. So each each feature film brings two final girl characters. You're gonna play the final girl. You get to pick which one you want to play with each time. So as you get more, you also have more different girls to pick from for the scenario. I found that mixing those don't at all seem to feel weird from my experience so far. Um, they're kind of generic. It's just nice having another option of, of which one to pick, and they do feel differently when you play them. The, um, I think that's enough about the components. I don't think we need to get into more detail about them. Sure. There is one other thing worth mentioning, which is uh, something called a, how do you pronounce, vignette, vignette? I've been calling it vignette, but vignette. I haven't pronounced it wrong. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> okay, vignette. So it's a little box, like a, a deck box, and it's a scenario. Um, the first season one had one of uh, the birds, basically. It's it's sort of the theme of the birds, and you have the birds in the town just attacking, and going to other locations, and filling up the boards. And every space starts to get full with birds, and they will attack people at their locations and whatnot. Um. If you play with that, you don't have a killer. You have instead the flock of birds. There's no main killer, and you have a location you play at. Speaking of breaking the theme, the first time I played it, I did the, the birds are in the haunted mansion, just wandering around inside the house. I rolled my eyes at you. <laughs> yeah, I saw. Um, you know, mechanically, it worked just fine. The theme, yeah, oh, was a God, little odd. Me. But the birds got into the house through the chimney or something, and now they're spreading throughout the house. I, you know, I didn't worry about the theme too much. I was able to make it work in my head. Sure. So there we go. <laughs> There's the components, um, which is a lot and not all that much. Next up is the rules. Have you gone through the rules, Julius? Of course. Okay. Any thoughts? They're rules. They're yeah, beautiful. They they're, they're, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, if you are. prefer the art style, if you like the art style that's going through this, the rules describe it with a lot of clarity, with lots of colored images. I like how they're presented for it. It's a more, for the size of the boxes, I was not expecting a, what, 30, 35 page rule book. Yeah. <laughs> with the, it has 35 pages and an index of 84 entries. So it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty thorough and pretty well documented. You could find the information you're looking for, which is Agreed. nice. Very well designed. Very well done. Very it's well a well-done rule book. It's just 
huge. Mm-hmm. It it is. And I mean, that's in part because this game is more complicated than its predecessor, Hostage Negotiator. Hostage Negotiator, mm-hmm. you, you had that threat track to worry about and playing cards to maintain your threat at the right level and rescue hostages and maybe get rid of the killer. This one also has the board to worry about where you now are running around the board. So you're running around the board potentially rescuing people. That's not your goal necessarily. Um, and attacking the killer whenever you have a chance trying to kill it. If it's a scenario where you kill a killer, which most are. So there, mm-hmm. there is more to the game. It's more complex. There, There's more phases, I think, than the other game. But... And to be clear, yeah. when I say that it's huge, I'm not saying that necessarily is <laughs> a critique. The game deserves it. There's enough stuff going yeah. on that it deserves the full value of all of its rules to explain all of it. None of them are particularly complicated. It's not long enough that like you start, there, there are some rule books that are just so long that you start to forget other parts and you have to read multiple times to remember mm-hmm. all the different mm-hmm. parts. It's not like that, especially because the actual action phases and the summary of how you go through things is relatively clear, relatively concise. And I say relatively in comparison to the entire rule book. And it's got that handy index to be able to look up everything across <laughs> all of its different pages. Yeah. So I say it's large, but in, in this case, that's probably an advantage because it lets you understand all of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I do have one critique of it though, which is um, I really, really wish I had a, if you've played hostage negotiator already, here's what you need to know kind of section. Because oh, yeah. I went in saying, oh, I know how to play this game. I played Hostage Negotiator plenty of times. Um, so I started playing, and uh, yeah, I missed a few things that were pretty critical and left out things that, that I should have not left out. And the game was actually pretty easy very, from the beginning <laughs> because, because of this. Because I, I assumed I knew. So then I had to go stop, and okay, I got to reread the whole entire rule book more carefully and not, not, not gloss over stuff because I already know these things. So, I mean, as a person that's played Hostage Negotiator, that was a, a complaint I have about the rule book. But if you know if you start as a brand new game and you start reading it and treat it that way, you're fine. Um, it also has one thing I do like is that it has a lot of sidebars and notes throughout the rule to point out stuff that you might miss otherwise and explain things in more detail. And whatnot. It's just really well laid out. It really is. Um, theme, theme, Julius. The, I mean, it tells you the theme. <laughs> the theme, yeah. Your your final girl. You're you're fighting a killer. Uh, it's a horror movie. It's relatively creepy. I think the theme comes through really well. It's assuming you're not mixing and matching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and if you are mixing and matching, the theme of a carnival killer in a space station is coming across real clearly. <laughs> That's what you're playing. But yeah, yeah. If you're not mixing and matching, it's gonna your theme is gonna feel more believable. The they're creep. Some of them are pretty creepy. The the guy with the pig mask. It's called a a German shame mask apparently it's a real thing and the, they would put the people as a punishment oh, yeah. and then this guy apparently he went crazy and put one this big metal mask on his head and goes around killing people he's very friday or not friday the 13th yeah no he is very friday the 13th kind of character uh like, it's uh, from something else isn't it i don't know anymore i don't i don't think so he this guy looks very unique very iconic and and just downright creepy really creepy it, i'm trying to remember what it's from well, they're all definitely made up. There's no well. I mean, but it's 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 a killer wearing a mask at a campground. It's Friday the Thirteenth and Jason. That's what it is. But uh, yeah, so the theme comes across pretty well. They're all creepy. Um, some more creepy than others. The one with the ghost, you don't have to try and kill the ghost. You have to rescue you rescue somebody instead and try and get them out Saw, alive. That's what it's from. Saw. I don't know. Saw. Saw. Ah, okay. Let's say W. Let me look this up. 
saw well that's a creepy looking guy he's got a mask on too yeah i mean he wore a pig mask when he was abducting people that's what it's from really yeah well that's new to me okay cool but yeah i could see that (laughs) the excuse me the um what does it say not all scenarios are necessarily super creepy the there's one in a jungle that's kind of it's pretty campy you get your you're at a, a tourist visiting this island or something or some place, and there is a tour center and all that, and you're visiting these ancient groves that belong to some ancient long-forgotten gods. Apparently, the gods still live here and whatnot, and they get really annoyed when people come hang out in, in their sacred groves and desecrate the thing. And one of the things that happens a lot in this scenario is the other the other the victims will tend to congregate on these locations that they're supposed to stay out of. And and they're really dumb. I mean, like, the, the person starts, uh, some kid spray paints on, on a rock in the sacred grove or something like that is what the text says. So so it's very campy, very <laughs> very silly that these people are getting themselves in all sorts of trouble and kill themselves. In the meantime, you're trying to run around and deal with it. So for campy horror, I thought that one worked pretty well. But, yeah, theme theme comes across really well. And everything that as the game as you're playing the game you're running around you're trying to do stuff you're rolling dice sometimes it fails and it feels like your character is running trying to run away and just suddenly stumbled and the killer's catching up to them so for me the theme co- comes across really well in in every sense of that perfect yeah gameplay let's do it okay so so the gameplay i've already mentioned you're gonna you're gonna choose your killer you're gonna choose your location you're gonna choose your final girl and you're gonna set everything up you're going to have the location board on the right, the killer board on the left. On the location board, you're going to place victims throughout the board. You're going to draw a card to tell you where everybody goes so that each time you play, the layout is a little bit different. It's going to tell you where the victims are, where the killer starts, and where the final girl starts. You're going to shuffle your item deck, your item cards, and build different locations. Each scenario has specific places where you're going to find items. For example, the haunted house is a closet or an attic where you can find items that you might find useful during the game. And the items, you know, are things like baseball bats or swords or flashlights or whatever, whatever's appropriate. And you're going to set all these things up on the board. You're going to set up your killer, give him some health counters. You're going to get yourself some health counters. You're going to lay out all the cards that you have available to yourself. Um, you're going to have your vent deck set up. And if I remember right, you draw them from the beginning. On the killer, you're going to shuffle. There's different cards for the killer. There's a top half and a bottom half in terms of pictures. You lay out the top half on the board face down, and you lay a bottom half face down also. And it makes a full picture of the killer. The top half, if the card gets flipped over in the game as, as you progress, it generally means really bad stuff are going to happen. He's going to get much tougher. He's going to get really upset and, and start doing more, way more damage to you. And the bottom half also, again, makes it tougher, but it, it changes. And because you have a deck of these, and each time you use two, again, it will feel very different. Again, this is all that modular stuff I love in um, games. Once you're ready to play and you're on the board, generally speaking, this, the goal is to to defeat the killer and attack him. It might be as easy as getting to where he's at and hitting him and not getting hit yourself too much. There's also victims. You want to rescue the victims. You don't want them to die. If the victims die, what happens is the killer has a current um, aggression level, and I may have the wrong term there, as people die, it gets higher. And the more aggressive he is, the more damage he's doing when he strikes. He's just getting pumped up with all his killing. 
So you kind of want to rescue the victims so that they doesn't raise that threat. Also, when you rescue a victim on your player on your character card, there's spaces for to put the little victims. Depending on the character, there's different number of spaces, more or less. When you place it on one of the spaces, you choose which one you want, you'll get an immediate bonus. It might be some free moves or maybe an item or some health back. You get different stuff. Um, so you're going to choose which space to put it on depending on what makes most sense at the moment. Once you have filled all the spaces on your character, you flip the final girl card over. She's getting pumped. She saved a bunch of people. Now she got some power that makes her even better and tougher. So you want to flip your side o- your card over, not your not the killer's cards. Ideally, that's what's going to happen. In fact, you know, it may not work out that way. Um, the go is going to the game is going to play in in a scenario this way. You're going to have a hand of cards. You're going to play a card from your hand, and it's going to say, let's say it's a moving card. You're going to say, it's going to tell you to roll dice. You always start with two dice. Generally, I'm not going to say always because it's so modular. It may depend on the scenario, but you're going to roll two dice. And you're looking for successes, which are five and six. So it's a two and three chance of getting success. There are actually stars in this um, because it's custom dice. For each success you get, you will look at your card and see what happens. If you got zero successes, probably something bad happens. If you got one success, or nothing, it's going to be good or bad or nothing. If you get two successes, you did really well whatever you're trying to do. So in terms of moving, one success, two successes might mean you move three spaces, and you also gain a little bit of time. Time translates to drawing extra cards next round. If you get maybe one success, maybe you'll move two spaces and even lose a time. Or if you get no successes, it might be, well, you're still going to move one. We're going to give you that, but you're going to lose more time. It means you're going to have less cards to buy next round. This is going to be familiar in Hostage Negotiator where you get the discussion points that as you play cards, you may gain discussion points to buy cards in next round. The... Generally speaking, you you want to you know roll roll high, roll those stars, but obviously it's out of your control. There are things you can do to mitigate it. There is a this threat tracker sort of thing. It's that that um you have a villain marker on it. If it gets really low and he's starting to get less aggressive or whatever, you start you get to roll three dice once you get below a certain point on that track. If you manage to get it there, you're gonna roll three dice, but you still only need two successes at most. So you kind of got a nice uh, leeway there. If, on the other hand, that track goes in the opposite direction, clockwise, all the way to the top, now you're only going to be rolling one dice, which means chances you're never going to get the best things, and you know chances are you're going to miss all right every time, so <laughs> so you're in trouble. So you want to end up moving that track back. There are cards that you can play that let you move that marker left or right if you get the right number of successes. Uh, there's cards that you could use to heal. There's cards you could use to move. I already mentioned that. To rescue victims... All you have to do is move to where they're at and then move to an exit on the board. Each board generally has three exits. Once you get to the exit, that victim leaves and you're going to put them on your thing. So you don't have to do anything other than move with them to rescue them. That's basically your turn playing cards until either you decide you don't want to play anymore because maybe you want to save them for the next round or until you just run out of cards. And then the next thing that's going to happen generally is the, the killer phase. The killer is going to do something. It depends on the killer, but generally they're going to move and or attack, either attack you or attack the victims, depending on you know who's around for the for that killer. Um, you're going to also then draw a terror card, which are just about always bad, and they're going to do things like adjust that threat level, potentially get you to discard cards, potentially the killer will move or strike again. 
sometimes even crazier things. Like maybe all of a sudden a new victim showed up that you didn't know about. So now there's more people to rescue. Which could be good, could be bad, depending on how things work out. You draw the terror. Sometimes victims will panic if somebody gets killed in a space where the victims are at, or if a card says, hey, panic. You you start rolling dice for all the victims at whatever locations panic, and they all run in a random direction to an adjacent adjacent location. Which could be good if you're lucky, could be bad. I, f- I forgot one kind of important phase. The after you finish your turn is the planning phase. This is where you're going to buy cards. Now, I mentioned there's a little time marker. I mentioned it in passing on the board. In Hostage Negotiator, it always starts at zero. You have to earn points to buy more cards. In here, it starts at six. So every round, you're going to have points to buy cards, which is really nice. You can lose that, and you might end up getting way down to even zero. Next round, you just can't buy cards. But during the planning phase, there's card. There's a tableau of cards you could buy from. You could buy as many as you want, up to the amount of time points you have. The, the cards cost vary from zero up to... I think six is the highest. So you're going to buy as many cards as you want. They each do different things. The higher the cost, the more powerful they are, obviously. They do things like maybe let you move more. Maybe they'll let you pick up items. You need to buy one of these cards if you're going to pick up an item. You can't just pick up stuff otherwise. Um, They might let you do more damage or heal. They might give you extra dice to roll or, or make successes more easy. Just a lot of variety. Once you have done that, the cards that you played this last turn, you're then going to that you had discarded already, you're going to then put them on the tableau so the following turn they're available to buy. So you basically could only have a card available every, uh, the specific card every other turn once you've spent it. There is no hand limit. So if you only used a, a few of your cards and you bought a bunch more next round, including like say six of the free ones, you could have a hand of 10 or 12 cards theoretically. I think that'd be pretty darn hard to do. But yeah, but that can happen. Um, There's also an upkeep phase in the end that may or may... Usually it doesn't do anything, but it's there in case something special has to happen, depending, on, again, on the scenario. Um, that is that is the flow of the game. I hope I did a decent job of explaining it. Basically, play your cards to run around the board and do this stuff, like rescue the ho- victims and to tell you the, host- the, the killer, not the hostage taker, and, and heal and also run from that person and run around and find items. It's... It's very, I mean, there's a board where you're moving on. So the game is very spatial, unlike Cossage Negotiator, which is all very abstract and just card play. It's it's very different feel. So <laughs> I think it's obvious, and I think I already said it, that I really enjoy this game a lot. I love everything <laughs> about it. I love I love the creepy theme. I love the, the modularity of it, the way you could play every single game completely different. You know, I've got enough. Between the combinations of killers and boards and final girls, I probably have a good 75 ways to play. More on top of that, if you had the the deck, the vignet, 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 <laughs> vignet deck of birds. <laughs> so I love that about it. I love all that modularity. the The mechanic of the cards and rolling two dice. A lot of people dislike that because it's pretty random. It absolutely is very random. But I have found that for a game like this, if you're able to manage it, and there's definitely ways to mitigate the randomness. Um, for example, if you're able to get that that threat marker down i'm probably using the wrong term I'm using the hostage negotiator term but that's okay but if you get the threat marker down <laughs> you're going to be rolling three dice and your odds of getting successes and good successes goes up drastically so that that's pretty that's pretty i believe you're talking about the horror level by the way horror level. okay thank you um so yeah so the horror level there's also cards you could buy that it can increase your odds and, and you know you could discard cards to to have more points for buying cards so there's a lot of ways to manage the luck in the end and and using that wisely 
makes the game way less random. And I think that's something people don't realize at first. And you got to kind of play it more to get a sense of that. And all that was very true for hostage negotiator as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And the, the difference here is really that you have the board where you're running around and suddenly the game feels more spatial and the theme comes across, comes across way stronger than hostage negotiator. Interesting that because, you said that. Because of that. It really does make a difference, I find. You didn't think the theme was strong in Hostage Negotiator? I I think it was fine in there. I mean, you have these little conversation cards, and you play the card, and the card says, now hang on a second, let's think about this for the, or whatever flavor text is in there. And as I'm playing, right. I'm, I'm having those conversations sometimes out louder in my head, right. just because it's fun, and the theme comes across strongly. I think some people found it too abstract and random to, to take it seriously, is what I was saying. Here, I never it, felt that way about Hostage no. Negotiator. I thought I always thought the theme came through just as strong in Hostage Negotiator, mm, okay. especially because, like you, when I played that card, I would say it. I would be talking <laughs> yeah. through what was occurring. So, I don't. I felt like it had just as strong a theme in yeah. Hostage Negotiator as here. Okay. I think if anything, the theme is perhaps a little bit stronger in this one, but that maybe is just because it's based in something that's more iconic, which are these classic horror movies. Mm-hmm. So I think that the still maintains a very strong theme yes absolutely and you know i was the last time i was playing my character she was running around and she just had to in this scenario i think save a victim she didn't even have to get the killer i think and she was running and she's gonna make it for the exit and the killer was right after her and then i rode poorly and i felt oh my gosh i just tripped and the killer got to me and took a couple hits on me and i'm about to die and, and you know my last card I have to roll two successes to get off this board or I'm going to get killed for sure. And, you know, it's really stressful. If I roll two successes, I'll move three and I exit and I win the game. And so I'm rolling my dice and it's a super tense moment. I roll and I succeed and wow, it ended just like a movie with with me getting away at the last moment and dramatic music playing in the background Mm -hmm. and whatnot. So I found it super fun, super fun because it's super thematic. In terms of my thoughts on the game, it... (laughs) I remember when I was first pitched this game that it's hostage negotiator, except now there's a board. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I know that for me, I had a bunch of hostage negotiator. I had a number of expansions for it and I kind of just got done with the system. I've played out the system and the idea of, Hey, it's got a board wasn't (laughs) enough to entice me back into it. I felt like I played it enough that I just didn't feel like playing it anymore. The addition of the final girl, I think that, you know, substantively, I think it's it's a better version of the system. I like the components. I mentioned that I really adore the idea of that modularity of it on the shelf. I think it is a better system. I think it is a better version of Hostage Negotiator than Hostage Negotiator. I just don't think it added enough to Hostage Negotiator to tempt me back into it. I'm mm-hmm. fine having played out and played through, it was like three or four expansions of Hostage Negotiator. I'm fine being done with it. It just doesn't have enough to bring me back to it. So I haven't. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's fair. I, you know, I don't know. I like it a lot. I'm I'm very happy to play it. I've always liked this system. I, I should say, though, I, I was one of the first play testers for Hodge Negotiator. So I feel strong tied to that game. Maybe, maybe it influences <laughs> me a lot. You know, full disclosure sort of thing there. The... Probably a good thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> I should have mentioned at the front, not the back, huh? But Well, there you go. I hope you listened all the way through to this. But yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I've really enjoyed the game. I have fun playing it. The theme works out pretty well. The There's a lot to get. If you want to be completionist and spend a lot of money, you definitely have the opportunity to spend a whole lot of money on this one. 
but you don't have to at all. You could just buy the core box and one expansion and play it. And, and if you like it, get something else later, right? Get more mm-hmm. or, or not and not find out. The, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I won't that, tell on you if you don't. <laughs> the all-in thing, there's currently a late pledge. I think it's going through the end of April. You'll still have a chance to get it for, for however much you want, whether it's just enough to play or the whole thing. The whole thing is like 300 something dollars, I think. So it's quite expensive. And if you're in Europe, I understand shipping's just outrageously expensive right now, unfortunately. Not much that can be done about that. But I mean, <laughs> you're going to get all the scenarios. You're going to get play mats galore that you may or may not need. You're going to get boxes. You're going to get miniatures. I will say, I'm personally, I have the miniatures because that first season I got everything. Um, I did not, I haven't used the miniatures. I haven't opened them. I don't feel inclined to use them. It's a neat idea, but I'm happy playing with the little meeples and that works for me. If I start opening the miniatures up and deal with that, then it's just something else to try and, and manage and store and whatnot. So I've just left it out. I, I use the game mats <laughs> because the game mats are printed um, to lay out all the stuff on it, which is really nice. So it helps me organize the cards and the boards. And I do find that actually kind of useful. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's Hotchers Negotiator. We've talked a lot. Of, we've said a lot about it. Sounds good. I definitely enjoy it. Um it's a game for me. You gotta if you like car, if you like hostage negotiator, if you like dice, it'll work. All right, Albert. Well, thank you for uh, presenting that all to us. And with that, I think we're gonna say good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractalude on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.